Turn your Bibles today to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. As you're making your way there, have you ever wondered why people are influenced differently by the Bible? In other words, if you were to just take a survey across America, perhaps across this room, across our city, you would find that people are influenced differently by the words of the Bible. Some people believe it's a fairy tale, and sad to say that's increasing in America today. They don't give it any more credence than they do Reader's Digest or a book on psychology. Uh, other people, on the other hand, get excited about the Bible. They may pick it up, but uh, it just something happens in life. It makes them question their faith. Something doesn't go right. They don't feel that its promises are answered quick enough, and they just kind of lose interest. Other people read the Bible. They're very interested. It's, it's in their heart and desire, but their life just gets so complicated and busy, so many things going on, it's almost like the words of the Bible get choked out of their lives. But then there's those other people that I think is the goal of our life, that when we hear God's Word and God speaks to us, that it takes root in our life. And before we know it, our life is being transformed. And rather than just being in love with ourselves, we're madly in love with God. We're following Him and serving Him. And not only are we helping ourselves, but we're influencing other people. Well, Jesus took that a little bit differently as He explained it a little deeper in Mark chapter 4 in what's called the parable of the sower. And this parable of the sower is an interesting passage because it tells us what, as I just recorded to you, what uh, the effect of the Word of God on the heart of an individual. In verse 2, it says, Jesus taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables. And that's what a parable is. A parable is something that's happened in our natural everyday world, and it has spiritual, and it's an illustration of a spiritual truth. But he said in verse 3, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed, and the seed here is the Word of God. Now, as the Word of God goes out, you'll see four different responses. In verse 4, as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, if you get the picture in their day, they've got this field broken up in whatever way they could with a little implement or perhaps an, an animal with a plow. But this farmer just scattered seeds, and some of it fell on the pathway, and it was a very hard place. It's like if you tried to plant seed on the stage, it's not going to grow. But what he said happened is interesting. Birds came and ate it. Now, when I was a boy, we'd plant, I lived on a farm, and Dad would plant corn, and that corn would be covered in like a purple chemical of some kind, but it would keep the birds from eating it. Well, and what Jesus said as He explained this parable, He said that represents the fact that Satan himself comes and tries to steal the seed away. He tries to steal the Word of God from your heart. So that Word that has the potential to change and transform your life, the devil wants to steal it right away from you. It happens every Sunday morning. Whether you can get distracted in the service, you get offended or perhaps confused by something that's said, or you go out and you say, it has no meaning in my life. But now look at the next verse. This is the one we're going to focus on this morning. Verse 5, other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. It's called rocky soil. There's rocks in this dirt. Well, the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. Now imagine your sidewalk. If you get a little dirt on your sidewalk, you know, you get weeds coming up in the cracks. Well, guess what happens? Soon the plants wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, it died. Can you say deep roots? And that's what we're going to look at this morning, the root system that's in your spiritual life. Uh, verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns. It grew up, but it choked out the tender plant, so they produced no grain. Now imagine a garden where the gardener goes out and he's got his tomato plants all in a row and they're looking real good, but pretty soon weeds come up. 
And what Jesus is saying, these weeds are the cares of the world. There's things that may not be bad things, but you just get so doggone busy with life, chasing your children. I mean, overwhelming job, work, two jobs, three jobs, and before you know it, you're so busy and God gets squeezed out of the equation of your life. Well, that's what he says is another thing can happen. But lastly, and this is what we're all to strive to become, verse 8, other seeds fell on fertile soil. And this soil represents our heart. These seeds sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and 100 times as much as has been planted. And what Jesus was saying is, he, if we read further, that this last illustration of the Word of God coming in our life and then be able to producing fruit, and we'll talk about that in a minute, that's the goal of the Christian life. See, and in a garden, the object of that seed, if that seed can stay away from birds that's going to eat it, if it can keep weeds out of its way, it is naturally going to grow, it's going to put down roots, and then it's going to bear fruit. And that's the picture of our, of our Christian life. Well, let me know, this parable is not about plants, it's about people. And do you know, you and I as people, we either have shallow roots as Christians or we have deep roots. Now, Jesus explained our main verse there, verse 5 and verse 17. Uh, he said, since they don't have deep roots, can you say deep roots? deep roots? They don't have deep roots. Since they don't allow the teaching to go deep in their lives, they don't last very long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's Word. And that's exactly the message this morning, is if you don't have a good, strong foundation, if you don't have deep roots in your Christian life, when difficulties or problems come in your life, guess what? They're going to knock you down and you're not going to get back up. I had the sad privilege yesterday of doing a funeral for the Doty family. Well, here a, a, a dad of three kids, a husband, a, a brother, a son, 44 years of age, dies with cancer. Listen, he was a godly man. If you don't have roots in God, something like that will knock you out and you won't be able to get back up. See, Christians, sometimes you may lose your job. You may have some difficulty. Your spouse may leave you. you. You may battle with some disease. And as you pray and as you seek, you try to find answers and you try to seek for change and it doesn't come, people get knocked out all the time. Just this week I read about persecution driving people away. There was a professor at a, at a university, a secular university, I believe, in Illinois, and he was teaching a class on, a class on Catholicism. It was a, a religions class. Well, lo and behold, uh, he said he basically stood and believed that the Catholic Church's teaching on same-sex marriage was right. And there was a student that was offended, and he said, you know what, that's hate speech, and the professor lost his job. Come on because he stood up for something that he believed was a moral conviction. He lost his job in modern-day America. Well, Jesus said, if you get persecuted for the Word of God and the pressure becomes too great as a Christian, you'll fall away if you don't have good roots. See, the Christian life, and let me give you another illustration. It's kind of like a swimming pool. In your swimming pool, how many know it's got a deep end and a shallow end? Well, your children particularly when they're young, they enter the shallow end. And that's exactly how we enter the Christian life. We go down the steps. Perhaps you heard the gospel preached in a church like this. Perhaps a friend shared with you steps to Christ. You got into the pool, but you were in the shallow end. Well, how many know we're not supposed to stay in the shallow end? See, you can't swim if the water's only that deep. If you go to the sportsplex in town, they've got little shallow. It's about like that. Well, you can't swim and you can't dive, but you've got to go into the deeper end. But sadly, many Christians stay on the shallow end of Christianity. It's all about them. It's all about my needs. It's all about what's going on in my life. And they never see what it means to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord, to go after the Lord even in the midst of difficulties. And the problem is they don't have deep roots. They have shallow roots. 
Now, I want you as we explore this idea this morning about going deeper, I want to encourage all of you to give me an ear this morning because this is not just a message for young Christians. This is a message for all of us. I've been a Christian 30 years, a little over 30 years, and I still feel the Holy Spirit calling me to go deeper in my Christian life. There's things that He wants me to do. There's personal issues that I have in my character, issues that I struggle with internally that God wants me to get rid of and to go beyond and to go deeper in my Christian life. He's trying to make me into the person He wants me to become. And how many know we've got to go deeper? Why don't you tell your neighbor this morning, don't be afraid to go deeper. Now, let's explore this idea of deeper roots because here's something I know. The deeper you go, now listen, the deeper you go, the stronger you'll become and the more fruit you'll bear. Let me say it again. The deeper you go in your relationship with God, the stronger you'll become and the more fruit you're going to bear. We've got a group that's going to a an Indian reservation uh, in just a few weeks. And I promise you, I've been there. It's as tough as any third world country in America. It's a 4% of the people are Christian people, high suicide rate, high unemployment. It's a pretty tough spot. And if you looked at their mission trip, they're going to drive 20 hours, come on, one way, and they're going to get up there, and it's going to be a pretty tough place. A lot of them will be sleeping in tents. But guess what? They're going to go and invest themselves on the deep end of the pool. And not only are they going to help other people while they're there, it's going to do something profound in their life. And I want to encourage all of you in your Christian life that this is a season where I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, go deeper. America is looking for answers right now. The politicians are coming out of the woodwork because the November elections are coming, and the party out of power is saying, we've got the answers, and the parties that's very small and upcoming third parties are saying, neither one of those parties have it, we have it, and men are vying the best as they can. If you listen to the Saturday morning radio addresses from the president and the opposing Congress, each tell one another how bad they are and what they're doing. Listen, our nation is looking for answers. Come on. Listen, our nation is looking for help. Our nation is looking for direction. And guess where it's going to be found? It's going to be found not in Washington, but it's going to be found in the depth of men and women, of Christian people that are living everyday life in the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody give the Lord a good hand today. Now, let's explore this idea about roots. And I want to show you a little video. It's a little time-lapse video about some radish seeds. And I want you to take a picture of what happens to this seed. Why are roots so important. Take a peek. radishes, huh? That's about two weeks of radish in 45 seconds. But you see, go ahead and put the picture up of, of, that, of that radish plant. Do you see what's below the soil line is roots. And as the root began to go down, guess what? The plant began to grow. And I promise you this, if the root didn't go down, the plant would not grow and it would not bear fruit. And, and, what, and, and roots do two things. Now listen, roots, number one, provide stability. In other words, when wind blows, there's a picture of a corn plant that's pretty cool. Go ahead and put it up. 
How many know a corn plant can get eight foot tall or sometimes even ten foot tall? Do, do you see not only on the bottom there, there's almost some roots suspended in the air going down where there's some ones on top of it. This was a real large piece of corn and it was like these roots were almost coming out of the plant through the air to go and find the ground so they could stabilize it. See, because what happens when this corn stalk gets eight or ten feet tall and it gets a couple big ears of corn on it and the wind begins to blow, it'll knock it over. And that's exactly what you will face in your life as a believer, as a Christian. Even though God is good, you're going to face trouble and tribulation. I mean, no, Jesus said it. In this world, you'll have, yeah, but be of good cheer. I'm going to overcome the world. Well, you need roots to hold you when the wind is blowing. You need roots to keep you stable and strong so you don't blow over and become uprooted. And if you're not going deeper, that, and, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that, but if you're not having a personal growing relationship with God, a time with God in prayer, if you're not reading your Bible, if you're not serving the Lord, if you're just kind of approaching God as a Sunday Christian when you have needs in your life, my friends, when storms come, you will be knocked aside. So roots give us structure and stability, but here's another thing they do. They absorb water and, water and food so the plant can grow and produce fruit. Now, how many know when you put your roots down in the truth of God's Word, you're building your life on truth, but guess what else is happening in your life? The Holy Spirit is giving you living water from that Word. See, the Holy Spirit is, is feeding your soul and feeding your spirit. I don't just read the Bible for biblical information. I read the Bible for life. See, before, before this morning's church service, I got here about 7.15 uh, this morning, and the first thing I did was I opened my Bible and I read for 20 minutes. And as I was reading, it was not for what I was going to give you. It was what God was going to give me. Come on, the life-giving nourishment from the Word of God. But guess what? You've got to put your roots down there to get a hold of it. Now, there's some spiritual parallels here to these deep roots that we're talking about. If a Christian with deep roots not only won't give up their faith when problems arise, but they're going to produce much fruit. And isn't that what Jesus called us to do in John 15, 8? Jesus said, when you produce much fruit, you'll be my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father in heaven. So what in the world are we talking about about Christian fruit? Well, I'm going to suggest two things. One is your character. I mean, you know, the Bible speaks in the book of Galatians about the fruit of the... See, yeah, it's character stuff. It's love and joy and peace. It's goodness. It's kindness. It's long-suffering. It's about what's going on in your inside world. It's about how you treat other people. See, and what happens is you walk with God. As you put down deep roots, you will become a different person. I have seen people that would just, uh, they would get, could get so angry just at nothing. I mean, you just look at them wrong. You know, that's where road rage comes from. You just look at them wrong, and they're ready to pull out their knife, their gun, or their fist. How many know what I'm talking about? How many used to be like that? I mean, is it, uh, yeah. How many still like that? No. But what happens as you walk with God, God takes somebody who used to be this quickly angry, violent person, and God turns them into a tender-hearted, caring, loving person. See, what happens? How does that happen? God changes our heart as our roots go down. So this is one thing. How many know, listen, some of us used to be terribly selfish. It was all about us. And before you know it, God got a hold of our heart. And it's almost like everything I get, I want to give away to somebody. I used to be this greedy miser. But now the Lord has just changed me on the inside. And I find great joy when I share and when I help other people. Well, how many know you've got to put your roots down for change to happen? But see, these roots are not just what you're doing inside. It's the fruit of your life. 
See, let me ask you this. I, yesterday when I did this funeral, I was amazed at the numbers of people that came up to me and said how their life was impacted by Rocky, the guy that, that, that we had his funeral. One guy's in ministry today, and he said, I'm in ministry today because of Rocky's influence on my life. Well, guess what that is? That's fruit in the kingdom of God. See, Rick, Rick shared, Rick's is, is his brother, and Rick said, you know, when there was a time we didn't have any money, and and uh, my brother, we was at a gas station, and, and we didn't have any money to speak of. And, and he went and he gave all our money to this single mom with some kids. And I said, well, Rocky, uh, Rick said, why'd you do that? And he said, well, she had a need, and I just wanted to help her. And Rick said, that, mess, that, that so ministered to my life. Now I'm the generous person. See, it's like when God gets a hold of our heart, he changes us. And it's not just about us. Then we begin to make a difference in other people's lives. So our fruit is our character, but as our fruit is the people that we reach for Christ and the disciples we make. Because one day, you're going to stand before God and give an account for your life. And He's going to ask you, what did you do with what I entrusted you? I'm telling you, friend, the secret for your future is in deep roots. Now, let me, let me kind of illustrate this for you about uh, the difference between deep roots and, and, and kind of cute, shallow, shallow roots. And I'm going to do it with the prayers of some children. It's kind of funny here, these first couple. A little boy was overheard praying. And he said, Lord, if you, can make me a better, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time just as I am. Here's another one, a little boy. You can picture him saying it. One night, Mike's parents overheard this prayer. Now I lay me down to rest. I hope to pass tomorrow's test. If I should die before I wake, that's one less test I have to take. How about this one? A five-year-old said grace at family dinner one night. Dear God, thank you for these pancakes. When he concluded, his parents asked him why he thanked God for pancakes when they were having chicken. Well, he smiled and said, I thought I'd see if God was paying attention tonight. <laughs> now, look, nothing wrong with praying for pancakes and praying for tests and make me a little good little boy, you understand? But those prayers are kind of on the shallow end. I want to read a prayer that uh, someone put on my desk, and this is from one of the kids in elementary age uh, that they wrote down their prayers last Wednesday night in their class. Listen to the prayer of this little, this little I think it's a little girl. I invite you, Lord, to be with us tonight. Lord, just come and fill everybody with your holiness. Lord, please just bless them. Lord, I pray for President Obama and that you would feel, uh, that you would fill him and that you would correct his spirit of abortion. Lord, that you will take away from him the field that our president has for abortion. It's interesting that you can be a child and know that our president has signed and passed and funded legislation to take the lives of children. I want you to, I, want to, I don't want to just pray for America, but I want to pray for everybody. I don't want to be selfish and prideful and conceited, but I want to pray for the water buffalo country. I guess maybe that's Vietnam. I want to pray for Russia, for Ireland, for China, for Thailand, for Indonesia, and every other country and state and every place where people live. Lord, would you please bless them? Would you allow them to see the difference between the spirit of religion for you and not the golden calf? Just you, no other person, Jesus. Lord, bless them and let them, let them know that you're alive and would you bless them all. Now, I want to tell you, that's a pretty deep-end prayer there. That's not a cute prayer. That's a powerful prayer. 
about holiness, about abortion and life, about everybody in America, about my own heart, about selfish and pride, about the nations of the world, about an idol of a golden calf. Lord, I want you to bless all people. Now, I want to tell you this. There's a difference between cute praying and powerful praying. Now, whether you're five years old or whether you're 50 years old. And, and I want to suggest that maybe many of us, even though we're older, we're praying more acute prayers in the shallow end of the pool than deep prayers in the deep end of the pool. See, sometimes we live more like this playing in the shallow end where it's really all about me and God helping me and God making a difference in me. But it's the deep end of the pool where you're going to produce fruit. It's the deep end of the pool where you're going to make a, a difference for Christ. I read just this morning, I think, that where Jesus talked about the need for it to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. Well, where are we going to follow Him? We're going to follow Him in the deep end of the pool. And that deep end of the pool, I, I met a man this morning. He said he was going to plant a church in Australia. You know, I met somebody else today. They were talking about going to that Indian reservation. That's all stuff that's at the deep end of the pool. See, and that's where God wants you to be. He wants your life to make a difference in this world for Christ. Whether, you're, whether you serve people in, 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 in the area of counseling, people that are broken and hurting, and you take them and turn them to Christ, or whether you're a truck driver and you meet someone in a truck stop and you begin to sh across the table with a guy you've never met, sharing a stake together, and you bow your head and pray, and you begin to share your faith and talk to him about Christ. I'm telling you, that's the deep end of the pool. See, but it starts right where we are today, hearing the Word of God and a desire to go deeper. Because I guarantee you, every one of us in this room today wants our life to count for something. Every one of us in here wants to know that my life matters and I'm making a difference in people's lives. I don't want to get just by and I don't want to just have fun. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. Listen, there's a deep end of the pool that we all need to be in. Now listen, let me spend just a minute or two about how you grow deep roots. And then we're going to have communion at the end. But how do you grow deep roots? How do you go deeper in your relationship with God? And I'm going to suggest three very simple and plain things. Number one, if you will get rid of the rocks, those roots will go down. Number two, and this is probably the most important, if you get your heart right with God, if you have a change in your heart, and lastly, just some practical good spiritual habits that will make a difference in your root system. But let's first talk about getting rid of the rocks. Now, mind you, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, what was it that kept the roots from going down deep? It was the rocky soil. Now, I know what this is about because I'm a gardener. And in my garden, it is filled with rocks. And I can't tell you how many buckets of rocks that we have thrown away. Some of them as big as your fist. Some of them as big as two fists. But most of them kind of like, you know, about that size. Uh, and they're just all out in the garden. And whenever it rains, I see them. And I just pick them up and throw them in the woods. I mean, I'll go pick a carrot or something or pick a radish. And there's a rock and I throw it away. Well, listen, rocks are anything in your life that stop your roots from going down deeper. Anything in your life, and I'll suggest a couple things. One is there could be rocky people. I mean, you can have rocky people in your world that can keep you from going deeper, and you can have some rocky habits. Uh, let's talk about rocky people just a minute. I can guarantee you that there were people that planned to be in church this morning but are not here because they went out with some rocky folks last night, and they've got a hangover this morning. It's just true. Come on, it's hard to go to church when your eyes are bloodshot and you've got a headache. Come on, bunch your neighbor and say he knows what he's talking about. It's been a while, but I know what I'm talking about. It's hard to go. There's a lot of ladies, I bet you, across America today were planning to go to church, but they couldn't go to church because they had to go to the pharmacy and get a morning after pill. Are you with me this morning? 
If you're hanging out with people that are going to pull you down, guess what it's going to do? You're never going to develop deep roots. If you're surrounded by people that are just rocks in your spiritual life, the best thing you can do is pick them up and throw them away. Now, I don't mean to be ugly with, uh, uh, towards them. You can pick them up gently, but I'm telling you, if they are standing in the way of your spiritual growth, you need to get them out of your life. See? How about rocky habits? Now, there can be some bad ones or some good ones, but I can tell you there's a lot of people that can't get away from the pornography on the computer. Don't amen too loud, but statistically, 40% of the people in this room today are in some way affected by that stuff. And if that is a part of your life, you know good and well that you can't get down spiritual roots growing in your life because you live a life of shame and guilt and condemnation. Come on, and you're internally a wreck. See? But it doesn't have to be some evil habit like pornography. Listen, you can take a good thing that's not bad in your life, and a good hobby can become an idol. See, turkey hunting and duck hunting are mine, but they can become an idol. If it takes all your time and all your focus and energy and money, how many know it has become an idol in your life? Sports can become an idol in your life. Listen, TV can become an idol. Your silly phone can become an idol in your life. Come on, uh, we can't read the Bible because we've got to read our phone or we've got to read our newspaper first. See, it's almost like, what's, what's number one in my life? See, and rocks may not be bad things. Rocks just may be things that are underneath the surface. Because I had planted plants in my garden. I'm thinking of a cabbage plant in particular, and it was just kind of nothing going on with it. And I thought, what in the world? And as I pulled that thing up and planted another one, I dug in the ground and my shovel hit a, a rock. And it was this large, flat rock, and that rock kept its roots from going down deeply. And I will suggest to you, all of us have them. I've been a Christian 30 years. I've been a preacher for a long time. I've got rocks in my life. Come on. And my wife's helping me pull them up. Praise the Lord. But the first thing I want to tell you is if you want to put down deep roots, you've got to get rid of some rocks. Come on, punch your neighbor and say, it's not brain surgery here. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. You've got to get rid of the rocks. Now, I want you to go to Psalm 42, and this is probably the most important one if you want to go deeper, because just because you're a Christian a long period of time or just because you go to church doesn't mean that you're going to go deeper in God. See, the starting place for going deeper is a heart that says yes to God. Now, let me go kind of quickly because we're going to have communion in a moment. But Psalm 42, verse 1 says this, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Now, can you just pause just a second on that? Because most of us equate God with church. See, most people, if you ask them, are you a Christian, they'll say, what? Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, going to church is a good thing, but church is not God. How many know that? See, and this is, it, 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 uh, as a deer longs for strength, you imagine that deer that's running from the hounds, chasing him through the woods, and his poor little tongue is just hanging out. As he longs for a drink of water, I long for you. See, I'm longing for more than just going to church or doing something. I'm longing for you. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before Him? Wow. Is your worship an obligation, or is it a great source of joy? See, now, I, I, like I said, I've been around the block a while as a Christian, and I find one of my greatest challenges now is not my belief system, but it's the fact that I get plateaus in my life, and I get routines going in my life. And how I many know routines are good, but I don't want to stay where I am the rest of my life? 
See, God may have a control of a large portion of my life, but it's that part that's out of control that I'm concerned about. See, I find sometimes that my, my, my walk with God, my personal walk, gets a little stale sometimes. It gets a little bit of a sameness. And I've got to do some fresh things to find Him again. See, it doesn't mean I've backslidden. It doesn't mean that I've taken on some horrible habit. But it just simply means I've got a routine rather than a relationship. And for me, sometimes I just got to take a walk and not to talk about all my problems, but just say, Lord, could I just walk slow tonight and just be with you? Could I once again be aware of that presence that grips my heart, that passion that compels me and moves me and drives me? See, there's something about it. I, I, I'll get a new Bible. I just got a new Bible the other day, the English Standard Version, ESV, a study Bible. It's about that thick. But it is really good. And the cool thing is it doesn't have one thing underlined. It doesn't have one note in it. And it's like I'm reading the Bible for the first time again. See, and there's things that we need to do to just let the freshness go come again in our life so that our roots can go down a little deeper. It's like our roots needing to touch some fresh water. See, it's like the soil has gotten dry and our roots have to go down a little deeper. You know, I was thinking when I was a boy and I was in the Navy in Alaska, when I got to this little island called Adak, Alaska, nobody had to tell me to go to church. Nobody had to tell me and give me the, you know, the, the thing that came in the mail where the churches meet. I just started looking because I love God. And I found the one hungry place on that island where people were hungry for Christ and passionate for God. I found it because I was looking for it. Praise the Lord. Nobody had to tell me where the Christian bookstore was. I just started looking for it because I was hungry for what was in it. And I want to tell you, that should be the foundation of our Christian life. Thank God for disciplines, but there needs to be something more than just sheer discipline. It's the joy that comes from my heart. And I want to tell you, friends, that will cause new roots to begin to grow. Somebody say, say praise the Lord this morning. I need, it. I need to get rid of the rocks. I need to get my heart right. And here, lastly, this is very simple but yet profound, and I bet you know it. I need to practice good spiritual habits in my life. I need to practice good spiritual habits. I need to be reading my Bible every day. I, I need to be spending daily time with God in prayer. I need to be regularly involved with other Christians. And I need to be sharing my faith and, and making disciples. Let me read you just a couple of scriptures here as Pastor Nick comes, and then we're going to get ready for communion. I, 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 there's something about reading the Bible every day. In Acts 17, a group of Christians called Bereans, they were eager to hear what Paulus and, Paul and Silas said, and they studied the Scriptures every day to find out if it was true. See, there's something about going into the Word of God every day. Jesus spent time with His Father in heaven in prayer every day. Matthew 14, 23, He went up on the mountain all by Himself to be with God. There's something about regular involvement in church. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 people come to Christ. The Bible says they're baptized. And then all these believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. It's like it wasn't just an hour obligation on a Sunday, but Christian people began to define my life. The people that watched out to me, the people that cared for my soul, the people that helped me accountable were not rocks. How many know they were life-giving people? Now, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven, but I want to tell you, it makes the journey there a lot easier. And you will be a better person along the way, and you'll be a more fruitful Christian if you're in the context of a, of, 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 of a group of believers. Well, Leslie, the last thing here, of course, Jesus said it. It's about reaching people. It's about making disciples. It's about doing something with your life for more than you. But it's about reaching as many people as you can for Christ. 
Because one day you're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to look at you. And my hope is, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to worship the Lord and then we'll receive communion together. Corinthians chapter 11, Paul the Apostle writes, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And Jesus said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This little piece of bread is to be a reminder in Jesus' day. It was a loaf of bread, and he took a portion out of it. And he was predicting the great sacrificial death that he would suffer for us. The Bible says that he was almost emaciated, emaciated beyond recognition. It's, it's as if all the Satan's anger was channeled towards Christ. He was beaten, he was spit upon, he was lashed. And the reason he did this is so that he could restore our relationship, so he could pay for my sin. My sins were a crime that separated me from God, and that's what the cross did. And perhaps we might ask the Holy Spirit now to give us some revelation deep in our hearts. Because it's, it's easier in the shallow end of the pool, isn't it? You can just sit in the water there and you don't have to exert any energy. You can just lay in a long chair in the water and, you know, somebody can bring you something cool to drink. But when you move in that deep end, man, you've got to swim. You've got you to tread water. You might tread water for a long time. Could this piece of bread remind you of the fact of what Christ did for me? And if He did that for me, what can I offer to Him? Lord, today with bread in hand, we, we humbly ask you today to wash us from our sins. We recognize today the life that Christ gave for us. We recognize the source of our salvation was in the broken body, the blood that was shed by Christ himself. I pray today, Lord, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling, that we would not live in the shallow end, that we would not resist your spirit, that we would say yes to you. Might you bless the bread, we ask in Jesus' name. Let's take of the bread. In the same manner, verse 25, he took the cup after supper. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. What's it say? Until he comes. Today, Lord, with this cup in hand, we're mindful of the fact that we have sinned and done things wrong. We have failed to do many things right. And all this today we confess as this cup reminds us of the blood of Christ. We ask you to forgive us, but at the same time, we today would forgive other people who've sinned against us. We don't want to hold all towards anybody. We want to bless anyone that's hurt us, taken advantage of us, lied to us, stolen money, divorced us, abandoned us, rejected us, not treated us right. Lord, whether we know them up close or whether there's some politician far away, we want to forgive everyone that's not treated us right. We don't want to harbor any malice or animosity in our heart. We want our heart to be clean and pure towards all men. And today with this cup in hand, Lord, we all want to renew our vows and our commitments to get rid of some rocks. Might you help us, Holy Spirit, to get rid of some of these rocks that are keeping our roots from going deep? All of us know what they are. We pray that you would help us come out on the other side. We pray that you would do something fresh. Now, many of you need to pray this with me. Something fresh in my life something that would just make me want to go to another church service. Not because I have to. I just want to because my heart is fresh and it's alive for God. 
Lord, would you move us out of our routines? And would you move us, Lord, to a fresh place of passion? And lastly, Lord, might we renew our commitment to do those things each day and each week that will bring strength. That, Lord, we might find ourselves reading our Bibles each day and applying what it says. We might find time, Lord, private time, to pray with you, to be with you. That we, Lord, might find ourselves involved intimately with the body of believers in the church. That we, too, Lord, might give our lives towards reaching people and making disciples that will last for all eternity. We ask you to bless this cup today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup. Praise the Lord. Hey, this was a real good day today, wasn't it? We're going to do one more worship song, and after that song, we'll dismiss. You'll just be free to be dismissed after the song, but worship one more song with us. Let me remind you, too, if you're here this morning and you have a need to get right with God, and what I mean by that is you need to be saved. You need to be born again. Uh, you don't know if you died today, if you'd go to heaven or hell. I promise you, my friend, you can find out today, and you don't have to leave this building. After the, uh, this next song, there'll be some pastors that'll stand around the altar, and if you want to talk with someone about your relationship with God or any needs you have, they'll be here for you. Praise the Lord. Hey, prayer tonight's at 6 o'clock right here. Let's do one more song, and after the song, you're free to be dismissed. Spirit.